Hello and welcome to Get Objects. This is a podcast about things in games. I'm Rosie. I am joined as always by my fantastic co-host Paul. Hello. And today we are talking about consoles. So we will be announcing our exclusives in just a second, but first some chat. Paul, hello, how are you? How what are you playing? What's going on? Uh yeah, good, thank you. Uh I've been playing uh one game since we last spoke which is paradise killer okay what's that yeah that's a detective game one of my favorite genres of games <laughs> so i just uh yeah i think i happened to see like there were some reviews about it and stuff and people seemed to generally like it and it said this is a detective game and i was like oh a good detective game i'm going to play that regardless of anything else so um i would describe it the aesthetic's kind of like Vaporwave Danganronpa. Okay, uh, I don't know Danganronpa. Okay, we can maybe say Vaporwave Phoenix, right? Okay, yeah, 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 all right, yes, all right. It's, um, yeah, so it's got that Vaporwave thing going on, but it's very, very, very heavily influenced in terms of aesthetics and a bit in terms of the style of it, I suppose, um, by those kind of Japanese investors investigative games mm-hmm. just e- even in terms of like the ui and like the the conversations the way they look um the characters are like outlandish in that way of like yeah Rumble or something as well like um yeah they have very they're called like crimson acid and uh nice. lydia daybreak and stuff like this and you know they're, they're dressed uh very eccentrically um not uh not entirely my type of thing. I don't know. Is it something about? Yeah, just. Is it? I don't. It's it's just a bit weird. Like Western developers like making they're very obviously trying to make like a completely Japanese aesthetic. It feels a bit right. Weird. I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I don't know why it should necessarily be a thing that only Japanese developers can do. But I don't know. It just feels a bit feels a bit odd. I would probably like it. it if it was if they just tried to make like a complete noir thing just because I like noir, I'd probably enjoy that more. But um I do very much like it. It's set on an island where how is this how do I explain this without taking like 15 minutes? Um there's people <laughs> there's people who have been who used to fight for gods and the gods have been like, I don't know, maybe like I think they got captured or fought. I don't know what happened, but they granted right. one of the gods has granted their power to a group of these former people who used to fight to the gods who are now called the Syndicate, and they use that power to try and create like an island paradise, like perfect world. Yeah. Um, every time they do one, eventually demons uh, find their way there and start corrupting it. So then they use the power to create a new island, and they keep changing the island to try and make it like more and more perfect so now on like the 25th sequence is what they call it um, right they also then kidnap people from the real world to bring to the island to work and worship the gods as like citizens and then when the island is done they murder all of them and use that psychic energy to create the next island um very so you, nice so yeah you're you're 
there's a lot of little bits in there actually about like you know kind of class consciousness stuff and uh, things like that and you're you're kind of part of the syndicate so you're ostensibly one of the bad guys really but it's not yeah so you you play a character who's been who was a former detective who got exiled for like i don't know maybe millions of years or something you've been by yourself in this little area um because you got seduced by a god and it almost fucked everything up but there's been the, the council who are the like upper echelon of the syndicate who create the next island have all been murdered um, right. and they don't know who's done it and they bring you back ah. to uh, dis- discover it so yeah you you run around this island you, you it's, it's kind of like open world detectiving so you go mm-hmm. to whichever bit of the island you want there's a trial that you can start whenever you want so you could literally at the beginning of the game you can start the trial if you want i presume right. you would fail because you wouldn't have any evidence but yeah it's up to you how much you want to collect everybody's hiding all sorts of things um so you're trying to yeah you get little bits and pieces of information from other people um there's a lot of collecting stuff uh like the currency and stuff is like hidden and you um which sometimes is fun it's quite fun to jump about and like find your way up to high places and run about but there's like a sound cue when you're near something Mm -hmm. you don't know what it is so i sometimes find like i'm going somewhere to do something and i hear the sound cue and it's like oh right well i've heard it now it's like collect the thing Yeah. yeah um but yeah uh I like it so far uh, quite a lot. I mean, I'm, I am enjoying running about on the island, uh, yeah, finding out what's going on. So still a way to go, but I'm, I'll probably talk about it again next time we record, I expect. That's cool. Yeah. That sounds like quite an interesting, fantastical setting to be playing in. It is, yeah. yeah. And, and obviously it's got some uh, utopian themes in there, so mm. Uh, mm. For, for my, uh, I'm interested in that always. Um, what about you? Um, I've also only been playing one game. I have been playing Enderal uh, or Enderal. Okay, don't um, know that one. Okay, so um, Enderal is a total conversion mod for Skyrim um, that came out in 2019. So it's using the engine and many of the assets of Skyrim, um, but it's a completely separate game in its own universe. Uh, it's a sequel to Nerim, which was also developed by the same non-commercial team, Shore AI. They work out of uh, Tutzing, Germany. Um, I don't know okay. if I've pronounced that right. Um, but yeah, so that so they're they're modders basically, but they're they're sort of mm. creating worlds using the, the sort of Elder Scrolls. Um, tech it's really 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 good i am really um so i mean my my always my feeling with skyrim is that it is um a fairly bland generic kind of fantasy skin on what are to me some very fun gameplay mechanics and, and kind of environmental exploration um mm. Enderal is a very, very good fantasy skin on those same mechanics. Um, so it's um, it's really, really enjoyable. It's it's a fascinating world. There's a shit ton of lore. Uh, there's, you know, there's big old books and, and long speeches, but it has so much more character than Skyrim. Um, it's, it, you know, there's, there's uh, personalities. There's people you meet who you actually remember. There's interpersonal dynamics like that guide the quests and guide some of the storytelling 
that um feel kind of believable and that again that you remember that kind of sticks in your mind um, which is an experience that you don't really get a lot with Skyrim you know you bump into loads and loads of people but they're all you know the same kind of the same kind of guy the voice acting is like really really good obviously there's there's um there's English and um German um voice acting um I haven't heard the German but um the the English is fantastic um it just seems like a really professional job that they've done um interesting ideas in it apparently it's all going to get very Jungian at some point um that hasn't that hasn't happened yet but I'm looking forward to it um there are spooky bits that are genuinely spooky very atmospheric uh just huge congratulations to Shirei for this thing that is it's free is if you've got Skyrim you just download it off Steam it's absolutely ridiculous um so you don't even need to pay any money for it um yeah I just I really 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 like Enderal I'm about 25 hours in and I am anticipating this is going to be a big one so I will probably be also uh talking about it next time um but yeah the initial impressions uh just bags of personality loads of character fantastic fantasy setting really really having the time of my life okay well I mean I was uh Lightly obsessed with Carl Jung for a, a while, so right, excellent. I'll probably be into that. Probably around the time my Robert Anton Wilson phase. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. Did, uh, I didn't entirely understand. Is the is it like um, a set? Is it a separate world, like a, a different place? Entirely the, separate world. Okay, it's not in Skyrim. No, it's, it's not. Uh, it's 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 not in the Elder Scrolls universe at all. It's it's in its own. Um, uh, it's, okay. it's in its own fantasy setting. Um, which okay. I believe is a continuation of the one they did. So Nerim, the previous game, was a um, total conversion mod for Oblivion. Um, mm. And that's where they sort of, I guess, started this series. I don't know if there was one on... There might have been one on Morrowind as well. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so they, they've kind of established their own fantasy world that they're, that they're pursuing. It's, it's great stuff. It's so good. Cool. Mm. Okay, well... Um, before we get on to talking about consoles, we got uh, just a little bit of feedback to get through. Uh, so yes. we just got a couple of emails. So um, firstly, we've got one from JT. Uh, JT says, hi guys, love the home episode. I always love it when you can fiddle around with the home location in a game. Yeah. Even though it wasn't fully a feature, I always used to take over a cave or house when playing Elder Scrolls games and fill it with interesting slash attractive stuff I'd collected slash looted and then get frustrated by the tools to move and place items being so rubbish. Uh, you're nodding as if that's a thing you've done. And this uh, is very much a thing I've done, yes. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, JT says, I'm sure you have this on your list, but if not, what about chests and barrels, boxes, crates, etc.? cetera? Uh, yes, we do have that on the list. Uh, you we put do. it on there quite early, I believe. Yes. Uh, chests exist in so many games, sometimes with random content, sometimes with fix, sometimes just as storage for your stuff, and sometimes as an effing mimic in Dark Souls. They, they were in my mind, so I recently started playing a bit of Fortnite. Um, I'm sure you know how it works. You'll drop the equipment list into a hostile environment and everyone just races to find a chest so they have something to defend themselves with. Then, because the contents are random, you might end up with something rubbish or a weapon you personally don't like, so you desperately look for another one. It's like manically searching for your favourite socks in an overfull drawer while being shot at. <laughs> I've never heard Battle Royale's described in that way, but it's a nice... Uh, I, I like that description. What an experience, yeah. For sure. Um, uh, yeah, on, I've also put 
loot on the list as a separate thing. Oh, yeah. Because uh, for me, yeah, chest is obviously this thing, but loot doesn't necessarily have to be in a chest and loot is a big thing, certainly in Battle Royale games. I'm presuming you haven't played any Battle Royale games, Rosie. Um, No, I'm thinking I probably haven't. I don't even know what they are. Is Fortnite you is one of them? You don't know what they are? No. Jesus. No. I mean, For- get with so- the times. This is like the... <laughs> It's the thing, isn't it? It's like a big so thing. You don't, you don't even know what Fortnite is, basically. No, I don't know what Fortnite. I mean, I know it's a game, and all the kids yeah, that like all the literal children are playing it, but I don't know. It's li- yeah, it's literally you get dropped in okay. normally from like a plane or something, mm. and so you can go where you want on the map. Like you dive down and parachute or something. Yeah, you don't have anything, mm-hmm. so guns, mm. armor, uh, grenades, or whatever you got. Far- you find it, and it's like random drops so sometimes that sometimes there's places with that tends to have higher value stuff but then more people might go there so it's like a risk reward thing of where you go because yeah because once you get killed you're out normally so uh, it's like I, I was about to say it's like battle royale it's like film. battle royale <laughs> okay. and normally normally there's some kind of circle that yeah. gets smaller as the game goes on right. yeah, and if yeah, you're yeah. outside the circle you take damage so you um yeah and last one surviving wins uh, sometimes it's a team versions. Sometimes there is a way of reviving somebody. They normally make it a bit difficult to do, but it's basically you killed and you're out. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, the one I played is Apex Legends, and it's very fun. Okay, I've heard people talking about Apex Legends. Right, right, right. So that's one of them. Okay, well there we yeah. go. That's an education yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. It sounds very stressful. I don't think I've played that kind of game. Um, we also have a um, another lovely email from one of the ladies listening. Thank you very much, Rachel, for getting in touch. Um, she doesn't play loads of games, but she got back into some over lockdown. What a time for it, isn't it? Um, she's mm. replayed uh, Broken Sword Shadow of the Templars. She likes to go to that world, to Paris in the fall, every now and again, as she likes to return to autumnal Twin Peaks. Um, I just think it's really nice to have text that you can go back to at certain times of year that kind of feels like right. Um, mm. I, I completely get where Rachel's coming from with that. I tend to do June in the summer. Twin Peaks in the autumn is very, very good. Um, and so, yes, she had a broken sword. Um, and she was saying um, she has been playing some of the older revolution games during lockdown. They're available on good old games for free. Lure of the Temptress, Beneath a Steel Sky. She's now completely obsessed with Foster and that world too. Um, plus some other games such as Dragon Sphere um, and some recent room escape type games. She's definitely a point and click girl. Over winter, she was watching a friend play Assassin's Creed Odyssey while she enjoyed exploring ancient Greece. Uh, she just read Circe at the time. The killing was not for her. Uh, have you played Beneath the Steel Sky? I assume you like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I, so. I'm very much, uh, I, I kind of, I mean, I play all sorts of stuff, but I, I kind of feel like point and clicks is like a, the first genre that I yes. like really fell in love with. So yeah. I'm kind of on her level there. Um, yeah. So yeah, I've played Beneath the Steel Sky. I haven't played the new one they've done. They've done a sequel recently, oh, Beyond really? the Steel Beyond the Steel Sky. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, I, I replied replied to Rachel. Rachel's been playing that one as, as well. Oh, so, cool. Uh, yeah, you have to uh, let us know if it's good. I guess Rachel. Uh, yeah, because I haven't touched that. I just I love and I really love the idea that you know obviously there's loads of um, 
shit aspects to the current global pandemic. But I do like the idea of people having a bit more time to like pick up things, you know, like play some video mm. games if they haven't for years and stuff like that. I think that's really nice. Mm. Um, uh, she has a suggestion to consoles episode. She's just about old enough to remember playing Pong. She says, I remember holding the black controller and turning the dial to move the paddle. I don't remember which console it was. I was very young, but I vaguely remember it came in a black cardboard box. My childhood I'll game... I'll just interject to say Sorry. that is a, a binatone. A binatone. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I also had a binatone. Uh, oh, really? It's like a, like a panel and you could had switches on it to move between like different versions of Pong. So it's like tennis, football, which like, I don't know, football meant like you had two, I don't know what the word is, lines. Right. <laughs> it's two bats, I don't know, <laughs> okay. whatever, uh, something like that. Um, uh, yeah, so you move the switch uh, and it also came with a, a light gun, and ah. the, which was literally a ball on the screen bouncing around and you had to try and shoot the, the ball. I mean that sounds. This is legit. proper old school, right? I right, believe right. I, I I looked it up. I believe it came out in something like 1977. Um, Bloody hell! I got it way way late. Like yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, I wasn't born for like almost uh, yeah, almost a decade or whatever. So had like a sec- old second hand version. Nice. Yeah, been a time. Um. She says her childhood gaming was in the 80s on various ZX Spectrums, joystick blisters from playing Daily Thompson Super Test, reading books for school while wait- waiting for the games to load. And she still occasionally bursts into humming into humming in the Hall of the Mountain King from hours and hours of playing Manic Miner and Jet Set Willy. Um, I like the blisters. The mention of blisters is really helpful to us here, I think, because as we're about to talk about consoles, we are talking about the physical items of gaming, you know, the things that actually sit in our homes that we have to actually interact with with our bodies. So that's a very helpful um, energy to take us into uh, into our topic today, I think. Yeah. Okay. Consoles. Should we talk about consoles? Let's talk about consoles. How do you feel about consoles? <laughs> oh, uh, I, I like them quite a bit, <laughs> yeah. uh, I suppose. Uh, although, uh, as we are on the verge of new consoles coming out, I'm kind of uh, just looking at my PC and thinking I'll probably stick with you for now. Um, I, I tend to play on PC more at, at the moment, anyway. Um, and yeah, the new, the new, what's the the new, the PlayStation Five is. Uh, my mind's gone blank on the price. What is it? It's going to be four nine nine. I think it's going to be like four hundred and fifty the... quid for the okay. so four nine nine dollars. I think yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For the and for the for, super one. And then like three seventy for the discless one. Yeah, for the like digital, that? I think um, three hundred and fifty quid. Um, yeah. Or, you know, whatever two hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah. And they've already put. Um, they've already put like prices of games up mm-hmm. for, for like 70 quid yeah and really... i'm not i wouldn't pay i wouldn't want a digital console where i have to pay 70 quid for games all the time absolutely not. so i would want one with a disc and i'm also not spending that much money on a console uh that hasn't got any games i want to play at the moment no i'm um, not yeah i think that's reasonable i'm not spending 450 quid to play demon souls i'd i'd, I'd be tempted <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's not not as much as a temptation for me. Um, yeah. The Xbox, the cheaper Xboxes would be more tempting. Uh, they've got what is it like two fifty? Is it the Series S? Yeah. Right. 
it's like it's different in terms of it's like it can't do 4k or whatever like mm-hmm. the, whereas the playstation the cheap one's exactly the same it's a different console but everything that's on xbox is on pc uh so i yeah no point just not as much of a draw yeah but it, anyway, i was gonna say right the, it seems like a when if we're talking about consoles uh it feels like it's inevitable that we're gonna be engaged in some nostalgia yeah uh we may as well just embrace it uh, 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 from the offset. So, do you want to do you want to tell me what consoles you have had or or played or have some kind of? Okay, so um, the consoles I've actually owned are in my in my house, uh, in which I lived uh, or or live now is um, uh, Mega Drive, which in America was called the Genesis. Um, that's the Sega console. Sorry. Um, uh, the Xbox 360, uh, Xbox 360, right? So there's a huge jump in time there. Um, yeah, the, um, PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4. Um, but in, in the in-between period between the Mega Drive and the Xbox 360, a huge period of time where, um, my, I'm still able to access consoles because friends are bringing them around. Um, my brother's okay. friends, not mine. So lots of time spending hanging out in my little brother's bedroom <laughs> with his mates. Okay. okay. <laughs> Playing video games. Um, and yeah, there's a bunch in there. There's the Dreamcast and the N64 and um, PlayStation 2. Um, the sort of big hitters. How about you? Uh, well, as I already mentioned, I had a Binatone. In, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, early on, early on, he had lots of like secondhand consoles like way after they came out so yeah i had that binatone we had an atari 2600 mm-hmm. um nicer uh, wood paneling uh on on the atari love Lovely. it yeah not enough of that why don't the, why doesn't the playstation 5 have wood paneling then i'd pay 500 um I, I mean, I don't know if now's the time to talk about the way the PlayStation 5 fucking looks, but I'm I'm not happy about it, but we can maybe, <laughs> we can maybe get... I would yeah. rather it did have wood panelling, um, but yeah, okay. we can maybe get into that later. Okay. Uh, I also had an Amstrad, which I guess isn't a console technically, it's a computer, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Uh, I also had a Mega Drive. Um, yeah. I had a Game Boy. Nice. I had a PlayStation. Yeah. The PlayStation is the first one that I bought. Right. Like, that I saved up for, for, for God knows how long to buy. Uh, I had a PlayStation 2. I was fortunate that my brother had uh, always went for like the odd stuff. Like the so he bought Dreamcast. Nice. So I also had access to a Dreamcast. And he also bought the original Xbox. Right. The big chunky Xbox. So yes. I had that. Yeah. Then I had an Xbox 360, I had a PlayStation Vita, and a PlayStation 3, and a PlayStation 4. Wow. So all the PlayStations. Um, yeah. That's good. That's very extensive. Oh, I also had, had a Switch. Sorry. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot about it. <laughs> Do you have a favourite console that you particularly like for some reason? Um... Yeah, my ooh, do I have a favorite console? Of the ones I've owned, you know, it's it's probably I mean, it's probably the PlayStation 4 just because I just feel I always, I, okay. I still feel a little bit classy. 
using the PlayStation 4. They've really done a number on me. The kind of the, the kind of um, PlayStation's pitch, um, which is that, you know, this is kind of sophisticated in some way. I, I have, as much as I know it's ridiculous, I have kind of internalized it. And I do, I do like my, I've, I've got a PlayStation, I've got Pro, um, oh, which I'm okay, very impressed right, with well, myself about. I had a Pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a connoisseur. Yeah. so yeah so maybe maybe that's it and i like the design of it it's kind of yeah it, it looks nice i'm kind of looking at it right now in my living room um it, it fits nicely on my um you know entertainment unit um yeah i think i i like it uh what about you um probably the original playstation mm-hmm. just because like it's completely nostalgia thing you know it's just because like i said it's the first one that i bought uh, it had loads of stuff like Metal Gear Solid we've talked about before on, the, on our game clubs this is like a game that I loved and was obsessed with was on the PlayStation um, it was game it was a console where I played loads of stuff I don't know I got into the loads of stuff I don't know like Tekken was the first like fighting game that I played properly like I played I'd played Street Fighter stuff before but like that I played properly so like mm. loads of genre I feel like loads of genres I encountered for the first time on the PlayStation. And yeah, it was like when games started to be 3D and stuff. So yeah. it was like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I even bought, it's a bit embarrassing. I bought the, the I got the PlayStation 4 controller that's in the PlayStation style. Nice. Um, my my first controller did. I didn't just buy it for no reason. Like my first controller problems. Look, while we're on the we're on the for the Patreon listeners, right? We're on video. I'll show Rosie my lovely. Uh, oh wow! It's oh, the, it's like an old PlayStation old, controller. Yeah, it keeps getting yeah. Oh, that is some yeah. fantastic gamer crap there, Paul. Well done. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I shouldn't have uh, exposed myself, really, should I? <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, just. In case anyone's confused, that we we do we're doing video versions of the podcast for yes. Patreon listeners, uh, which is um, patreon.com slash get object. So um, yeah, if you if you want, and we're both representing on um, various fanboy demographics for our backgrounds. We've got know. backgrounds. We're both we're both um, yeah linking in from the main stage at uh, E3 uh, for our backgrounds today. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, I'm miserable about E3. While, while we're not talking about E3, uh, I'm miserable about it not being on this year um, because it was going to be the new console um, year. You know, the one mm. where the E3 where they announced. I mean, I don't know. Do you like E3? Uh, yeah, y- yes and no. Right. Like, I mean, it's a complete like. Uh, I mean, essentially, it's a market. It's like hard to get. You know, it's a complete corporate yeah. marketing. Like I hate they get people like whoop and do whoops and cheers in like the most awful ways. Uh, the yeah, there's loads of like bullshit talk about like our community. It's like fuck, fuck off, community. You're just trying to sell me all, all this shit. But um, but but I still do like like watching the you know conference and having all the announcements and this has been rough like i basically don't know what's going on because it's all been so spread out yeah like i'd rather just have it compressed in like that one week yeah like, no, they've all tr- they've tried to do oh, jeff Keighley or something tried to do like the 
summer of whatever, I don't know what it was called, but right. it's, like they've been releasing, they've been announcing stuff over months. It feels like so to the point where I just don't know what's going on because I'm not keeping up with it all. Yeah, I like to have that concentrated burst. I um know exactly what you mean about all that corporate stuff. I fucking love it. It is such a specific. You love it. It's such a like specific embarrassing energy <laughs> that i'm okay. so into like i love seeing the guys like all the studio heads up there with their like 400 dollar t-shirts <laughs> they're like right. like todd howard wearing a leather jacket every time it absolutely like there's something about it that i just find in- in- intensely pleasurable um i love all the kind of yeah, the ridiculous kind of brouhaha, all the whooping and cheering. Like, I, it's very like um, Eurovision. I know I'm not the first person to say that, but there's like a, right. there's a really, um, yeah, specific, um, embarrassing vibe that just just gives me the energy for the for the year. I think E3. I I've really really missed it this year when it hasn't been on. Um, but yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully we come back next year with a great big party. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, no. Um, and I like all the gameplay demonstrations. As you say, we, we've just had, um, I think this week, we've had another sort of PlayStation showcase. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's nice to get all of that stuff in once. I mean, hopefully, as I say, next year with the, um, you know, we'll be in like the first year of a new generation. So that is kind of often a good E3 as well, because that's when you get loads mm. of games announced um so far the offerings a little bit thin on the ground um but yeah i think it's the thing about um consoles and i think e3 is kind of can be part of this or idea of what we would like e3 to be can be part of this is that they are a place where we can actually interact with the future they're like an object that feels like feels Mm. like interaction like that looks forward Right. So, I've, I, you know, you see lots of people being like, um, you know, and we're going to see this E3 would normally be the one where we see, you know, what what the next five years in gaming is going to look like. And that's kind of quite interesting. We've, we spoke about this a little bit with phones as well. It's very it's very unusual to come into contact with an item that feels like it's part of the future, that feels like it's looking forward in that way. Um, I think that vibe was so strong with some of the consoles when we were younger Mm. and possibly that's because of that would be because of various things i mean you made the mention of of the move to 3d Mm. which is a huge thing i think anyone of me and paul's age and kind of our mid-30s um and older that that moment of getting your hands on mario 64 Mm. is is something that people like really remember because it was just like this it just absolutely mind blowing mm. <laughs> to me, yeah. like running around and, and it really did feel like the future. Like it was super exciting, um, and it yeah, and it was it was also that kind of millennial moment, wasn't it? It was it was um, like ninety five to two thousand. Everything was about the future. Like there was this like a real sort of cultural idea of it being very present. We're on the cusp of something. Um, console that seems to encapsulate that most for me. Mm. um is the Sega Dreamcast I think um because it it was really interesting it was very futury feeling I mean so you you actually had one your brother had one my brother had one so it was in the house yeah sorry yeah so it came I mean it came out I I looked this up it came out on the um in America on the 9th of September 1999 so that's 9999 and um and it certainly had that 
feeling about it of something that was really sort of reaching forward. Um, I know that the Saturn had come previously um, and then the Mega Drive was before that and they were kind of these sort of black box um, consoles. And then the the Dreamcast was like this grey thing um, with this like bizarre controller with a Tamagotchi in it. Um, And really, and uh, like this lovely kind of very sort of I don't know, futury feeling loading screen. When when you opened it up, it didn't go Sega. Mm. It had like this lovely, like um, liquid kind of um, Dreamcast mm. uh, logo that would come up. Um, I mean, also, I was it, gonna... uh, also it was. I believe it's the first console that came with uh, internet access. Uh, right. Well, there we go. Okay, because this is what I was thinking. I was like, you know, there's something. There was something like f- that felt very futuristic, very like you're on the cusp of something, but it was still weird. That's what I really love about the Dreamcast. Like it was still kind of odd. Like it was odd that there was a fucking Tamagotchi in the in the oh, controller. Yeah, the you know, <laughs> it was like it was super strange. The mascot was um, Sonic, who obviously has um, this you know extremely chaotic energy. Sonic, anyway, um, presumably from all the Chaos Emeralds. But, um, you know, there's there's something odd about Sonic that I really, really like. He's he's definitely, he's a less, um, he's much less straight than Mario. Like, he's obviously, he's got all this attitude. Um, like, but, like, but he's, he's, I don't know, I like Sonic. I kind of miss him. He's, he's a bit rubbish and like, um, his, the stories and his games are always like super odd. I was really disappointed to find out that the, the game in which he actually, has a romance with and presumably sex with a, a human female <laughs> is not the one on the Dreamcast. I was disappointed to learn that because I'd kind of mashed them together in my mind. I was like, right. oh yeah, it's got that Sonic game where he gets off with a lady. Yeah. That's bizarre. <laughs> it's so weird. It's, I mean, maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe it's, maybe hedgehogs are good at that stuff. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it was very strange. But yeah. Um, so yeah, the Dreamcast, I just think it's, have you ever read um, From Hell, the comic book mm. by Alan Moore? Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's really, really good, right? From Hell's a... a oh, interesting the... to know where this one's going, where you've gone from Dreamcast to From Hell. Right. No, get ready. I'm going full lunatic fringe. Um, okay. So From Hell um, postulates... It's, it's, a, it's a comic book series about... Oh, it's a comic book. It's like a graphic novel about uh, the Whitechapel murders, the um, murders by Jack the Ripper in the late 1800s. Um, and it postulates, among other things, um, it's a very dense book, but one of the possibilities it raises is that the um, Whitechapel murders are a kind of black magical act that are intended to usher in the next century. Mm. And I think that's what we need to think about when we're thinking about the Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> I think it was not so much not so much a console, but like this this attempt to, you know, move us forward, move us into a strange new future. Um, and unfortunately, you know, Sega Corporation didn't quite do all their spells correctly or whatever, and it didn't quite come off. Um, and that was that was the last that was the last um bit of hardware for them mm. but um yeah what a, what a fantastic thing like so strange yeah well you i mean you're definitely in terms of talking about these things giving us access to the future i mean they're, yeah. they're called uh they're referred to as having generations so exactly. I mean, it's kind of built here um which of, of course we've, we've always got to acknowledge this is all wrapped up of marketing bullshit this is like yes. selling us uh, a, a consumer product but um they do, but, but you're, I think you're definitely right that like there's this idea of like, here's this piece of technology 
and you can it's uh depends on the the time and the generation but it's normally relatively accessible as compared to like buying like a gaming pc and understanding yes how to yeah understanding all the different parts you need or and in terms of price it's normally more accessible and if you get this thing then there's going to be this whole generation of games coming that are fundamentally different to anything you've seen before and you're going to be able to access them through this uh piece of technology um so that is definitely built into it um i think uh i I was i was thinking about like the extent to which like that felt true like over time into to which extent they did because i i feel like yeah. the, the leaps were way bigger in the past than they are now like yes. it doesn't feel um there was also stuff it's yeah, so about graphics but there was other things that that changed that they tried to uh so for uh, i mean like we mentioned 3d so like that was yeah, I came from shooting at a ball on the screen <laughs> mm. all the way up to 3D. I like the the change is like just um, it's completely different. And like, yeah, obviously CDs being brought in as a technology, so technology changed. Um, that was significant. Having <laughs> having Final Fantasy VII or whatever on like four discs, it was like wow, four right. discs. This is like going to be an incredible. I don't, that just made the game seem better because it's on more discs, so it must be good. Um, and, and then there was stuff, yeah. There's the stuff that they tried, the stuff that they tried to add to make it feel new is sometimes is significant and sometimes really isn't. I mean, stuff like, again, stuff like Rumble, which mm. I guess is standard now, but it's not yeah. really, I don't know how significant that is. Um, but 3D obviously all bought with it, analog sticks which changed the way we interacted with games, changed the controller, like how we how it's how it's built, how we expected it to work. And then the controller informs the games then as well. Mm. Like so you have an analog stick and people build games assuming that you were going to be using an analog stick, whereas in the past everyone assumed you were using um a D pad. Um but yeah, I think those generational leaps are not don't feel so big now yeah i mean i com- i completely agree i think there's um there's a couple of things there um it's interesting that they i think they've recently dropped trying to sell you on stuff but they still were as late as the connect do you remember the connect right and mm. that was like there was a lot of obviously that that was motion What's it called? It was like trying to incorporate um, physical motion into the way we play consoles because the Switch, um, the Nintendo Wii had been so successful, and so there was yeah. that thing where you know Microsoft was trying to do Connect and and Sony to a lesser extent, wasn't it? The PlayStation Move or whatever it was called, and they were trying to be like, "This is the new shit," you know. Um, but it didn't really come off. I think by that stage, it was already you know there wasn't there wasn't enough like new things that were genuinely exciting. Um, or they genuinely felt like they were gonna, they were gonna change things. Um, I was talking to my friend Joe about this, and he meant he was like, you know, the thing is with that uh, in that millennial time, as as you were saying, Paul, we, we 
absolutely had like changes in technology that did feel really significant and that did feel like moving forward. And also it was just a time when the future felt like a bit more graspable and um, straightforward in some way. It's like, we're going to move from 1999 to 2000. Like we, we can all kind of grasp that. It kind of makes a kind of sense. And now it's like, just sort of general, like the future is very difficult to kind of grasp or believe in or make sense mm. of what it might be. You know, I think I think that's kind of a widespread struggle. Um and someone tweeted, um, Joe pointed this IGN tweet from the 14th of September. The Xbox Series S will not run Xbox One X enhanced versions of backwards compatible games, but will instead run Xbox One S versions of Xbox One and Xbox 360 titles. And it's like right that's the future now, is it? Like, I cannot make head nor tail of that statement. <laughs> it sounds like it's maybe going to be a bit worse or about the same. Who knows? But it certainly kind of fits the current moment in a way. Yeah. Well, also, it's changed changed now in terms of, like, we had PS4, PS4 Pro. Like, it's been incrementalized, yes. like, in a way that makes it... That, and now it's, like, you can get the... Xbox oh, the names the Xbox names are the worst. I what's, don't know I can't what what's what. Yeah. We're gonna get the Xbox Series S and the Xbox Series X. That's right. So there's like so there's like two versions with different capabilities, and we've already had the Xbox One, Xbox One S, and Xbox One X. One X. I think so. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's not. Yeah. The the kind of. Yeah, it's been incrementalized and trying to do like, I don't know, like a mobile phone type thing. So it feels like, yeah, there's less, um, it's going to be less of a jump like going forward if there's always going to be these different versions. Um, one of the thing, one of the other pieces of technology that actually did change is uh, the internet. Yes. Like not with, not with the Dreamcast so much because people didn't have the dream people didn't buy dream <laughs> didn't cars. have it but, unfortunately yeah yeah, yeah um <laughs> but uh in, in terms of when it became standard yeah. with like i would say with xbox 360 and everyone was online and games were then built for online yes that was a time where uh i played games in a that were completely different to games that i obviously existed on pc and maybe some people would play but we you know a lot of us had like 36k connections and stuff back in the day Mm -hmm. which made online gaming pretty much impossible so yeah that era where you're starting to play like multiplayer shooters and whatever it's like oh these are completely different experiences to anything i had before and new and exciting in like an actually significant way yeah um no i never i never i don't think i've ever played a game online with um strangers I don't think I've literally that baffles I've me. literally never done it in my life no but I do recall that being that being I mean it was nice to be online anyway with the console I do remember that the say the 360 would have been the first one where I was um online just because you could suddenly feel connected as you say I mean to other people but like just connected to like um, you know, like marketplace or like YouTube and stuff like that. Whether the, so, the the console becomes like a much more public feeling thing, um, which was you know kind of nice in its own atmosphere. Well, well, that's part of like the, if you, I mean, one of the things for the PlayStation Four and Xbox One was like uh, sharing and streaming and stuff, mm. which of course is com- uh, kind of reflective of the culture at large in in the sense that it's not it wasn't about like here's a thing that changes how you play games it's like 
other people watching you play games is a thing that you want to have now. It's like this is what you can do with with these consoles. Yeah, I mean, and it's it it, it makes sense. It's it's it works really well with consoles and and that kind of feeling because I think, as you say, you know, if we take it back to a lot of our early memories, we are talking about um, consoles are the are the gaming device that you use with other people that you remember sitting in other people's bedrooms with you that expectation for instance that you would spend ages on video games that you would have long long sessions and that's kind of part of how you consume video games is in chunks of like hours at a time I think that comes from consoles because I think that's I mean not probably not entirely but but for me I associate that with okay my brother's mate's round and he's brought his dreamcast and he's going to stay the night and that's all the time we have to play the Dreamcast. So yeah. we need to like, yeah. you know, we need to get as far as we can in Sonic Adventure. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, you'd have those long sessions, stuff like that. But yeah, it's, you get used to kind of playing games with, with other people around and chat. And that's a really like, that's a really enjoyable way to get play a game. So I can see why streaming works. And as I say, I, I watch loads of streaming. Um, I, I really like that, that kind of um yeah having a game on the background and just sort of chat going on is really nice yeah uh obviously uh the with mega drive and stuff as well you couldn't save games so you had to you can exactly yes that's a really good point yeah 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 um yes i remember playing um eternal champions on the mega drive which was a really good it was like a beat-em-up but with like a really deep story (laughs) i'm sure it was it was it was very just trust me it was really good um but yeah like yeah god fucking like eight hour sessions trying to like complete the fucking thing um but yeah they do they uh, they do have an association of being more communal than like pc or something well definitely i mean they come with ports to yeah which which imply multiple people should be playing Uh, i remember like multi-taps and stuff i don't know if you remember those with playstation you like plug it into your port and it's like four connections so you could connect like eight people or whatever right Um, nice yeah um yeah no i think it absolutely does i mean i really associate it with i I associate consoles with like sleepovers and having loads of people in the room and you know um like crisps and stuff like that like i do think that is like Mm -hmm. it's a really nice um vibe and i think it's a shame it's actually a bit of a shame to lose that which is what's happening as everything goes online um i i notice it very much myself because um i do like to play games with with dave and um there are just there's it's just kind of slim pickings these days there's not very many um local Mm. co-op games um uh and that's that's a shame Mm. uh yeah actually in terms of that um connecting to the future thing as well because i always i always tended to get consoles way after they came out because i Mm. couldn't afford them because i didn't have very much money whereas like like i had a friend who like got the playstation 2 as soon as it came out and it was like i'm gonna go stay around his house and it's like (laughs) yes i have i can i can access the future for like this one (laughs) night we could like just play yeah yeah, no, um, but I mean, yeah, it's absolutely... Play the fucking, yeah, the bouncer or whatever it was that came out with PlayStation 2 because it didn't have any launch games and it was shit anyway. Right. But, <laughs> but that's, that's what, what there was to play. Um, it was yeah. out for like a decade though, the PlayStation 2, wasn't it? Like they stopped making it in 2012? Absolutely insane. Uh, it's just like... That was more a... recent than that, wasn't it? Really? Oh my God. I don't know. It's definitely uh, one of the consoles. It's the best selling console of all time. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So absolutely they were definitely huge. producing it. 
they've been definitely producing it for a long while. Um, yeah. I was going to say something then. What were we just talking about? Uh, we were talking about playing video games with mates in their rooms. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe it'll come back to maybe it'll come back to me. Should we should we talk about um console aesthetics? I mean you I mean you already Sure. Yeah, okay. So um I um yeah. Do you have any thoughts about console aesthetics? Um I don't know. I mean, I mean a lot I, of them I are... really like I really like the original PlayStation, <laughs> obviously. Uh I like those yeah, that big grey box. I like the the colors, the colors of the logo. Dreamcast was nice, as you mentioned. Dreamcast um, was nice. The GameCube was beautiful. I thought the little purple thing. Mm. Um, again, that was one 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 of my brother's friend, my brother's rich friend, who uh, always always had the new console. Uh, yeah, he used to bring that one around. That was good. Um, yeah, I mean, my main thing is, I think it's like this is something that you're going to have in your living room um and like you know that that's the thing with with consoles as opposed to um pc games they're in a, uh, or pcs they're in a very public area of the house uh, again that kind of sense of publicness of openness of visibility that, that kind of adheres to consoles much more than it does to um pcs um so it does matter to me the way it looks and like all your furniture's pointed at it because it's in the same place as the tv so like I'm really upset about the new PlayStation 5. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand how this happened. Like PlayStation has been on a, you know, the PlayStation 3 was kind of weird looking, but whatever. It had those sort of, it was sort of bulky and sort of curved. Yeah. Um, the, but the PlayStation 4 is lovely. It's like, it's simple. It's like, um, it's like a, you know, like a, a step pyramid. Really, really nice. Um, and then the, the PlayStation 4, a 5 is like, it looks like the way that like cheesy guys used to dress to go to the club in like 2006. It looks like it's wearing like a nice, like a really fresh white shirt with a popped collar. Uh, right. Like it's like on Jersey Shore. Uh, I'm, really, I'm really not into it. So it's got like white sort of wings yeah. um, and then, you know, blue lights and stuff. It, it's huge as well, right? It's the size of a truck yeah. um, from what we can see. Um, yeah, I I honestly don't think I can get it until it's redesigned, which I assume will happen. Um, yeah, at some does, point, I think so. At yeah. some point. But, you know, it might be a few years in, but I, I don't think I can have it in the living room. Also, it needs to be upright. And the thing about consoles that they, they always forget no, no, is that... it doesn't that these, need to be upright. Does it not? Mm. Okay, well, that's really good because all the pictures I saw had seen it on a stand, sort of standing up. Yeah, so. there is there are there is one or two pictures of it on the side as well. Okay, well, either way, that thing is going to attract dust like absolute crazy. And I don't know whether they assume that like you just don't care about dust or maybe your mum doesn't dusting, I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, so that's, that's kind of upsetting. I guess... Um, a big thing will be the amount of noise it makes. I'd also like to know about that because it's absolutely gigantic. So if it's like, you know, mm. like a huge kind of like carnival sound system, I really wouldn't be surprised if it like has like all sorts of fan noise and stuff because the PlayStation Pro is insanely noisy. Like that is like definitely the worst thing about it. Um, mm. But yeah, no, I mean, I care what my living room looks like to the extent that I definitely, I just don't think, I don't think I can have it. <laughs> in the okay. living room I think okay. and I'm I am actually really bummed out about it because when I get a console it, it 
if I get a next generation, it will be the PlayStation 5. So maybe I'll come to a point where I'm just like, fuck it, you know, that's, that's fine. Um, Why would it be the PlayStation 5? Because um, Demon Souls and oh, also okay. um, God of War. Uh, so sort of those are both kind of uh, series that I feel quite strongly about. Um, okay. I don't think I don't think that Xbox would have any exclusives that I would care about, whereas I'm pretty confident that PlayStation yeah. will. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the aesthetics. But I, I do think it matters. You know, this is a physical item that's in. It's not like it's not like a game has a kind of aesthetic that you're not quite sure about or something, but you can still kind of get into it. It's like this is the thing that is in your in your actual house. Um, mm. making noise with it's like flashing lights and it's <laughs> stupid popped collar. <laughs> it's just gonna yeah. fi- it's just gonna piss me off. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's probably enough of me ranting about that. Okay. I mean what, one of the other things I was thinking about was the um the extent to which intentionally or unintentionally um consoles curate a kind of st- style around them in terms yeah. of their games. Like partly because of marketing ideas of what a console should be and what they want partly because of the strengths of whatever bit of technology it is or the limits of the technology um so just in in terms of like if you think about the mega drive deliberately kind of uh making itself stand out for nintendo in terms of marketing as being like for as being a more powerful piece of technology mm. and being for like older kids and having these very bright colorful games that kind of show off how how much more powerful it is and like lots of arcade ports as a as opposed to nintendo having a kind of more family orientated yeah. kind of uh i don't know how to describe the aesthetic but you know what i mean it's the, much more sort of actual sort of uh, playful and, and and childlike um mm. like a toy that's the thing with Nintendo, yeah. like they make toys. Um, yeah, and and like PlayStation, like I said, had when the PlayStation came out, has a lot of things going on in terms of this thing of three D. It's like mm. we have a new thing. It had the marketing around, like um, had quite surreal marketing, if you remember. David like, Lynch that... did a uh, advert for PlayStation when it came okay, out. Okay, did he? Yeah. yeah. There, you, there you go. So it had like, yeah, this kind of weird, they were trying to be like, yeah, they were trying to like be what, like the vanguard of like youth culture in terms of like, like Wipeout was supposed to be like this idea of like, you know, club music and like, uh, it's meant to be kind of like this edgy thing. So it, it had a kind of, it had something about, even though it was kind of, partly created through like a marketing idea it nevertheless ended up curating a kind of style mm-hmm. um i mean i guess the playstation became so successful had so many games that there were all sorts of other things as well but yeah again i think it, and like the dreamcast ended up as like a cult system yeah. and had all these like little weird like you know what i mean dreamcast games is a very kind of well, have a very clear idea of what it, yeah. It was a Dreamcast game, which was like super odd. Like Yeah. yeah. Super odd. Uh yeah, when I think of Dreamcast, I just think of like arcade shit, like mm-hmm. crazy taxi and things like that, and weird stuff. Um uh what's that game? The like dancing game in space or something. I don't know, it sounds fantastic. <laughs> okay. 
that Shenmue, things like that. Um, I feel like that's a bit less common as well now, apart from outside of Nintendo, maybe. Mm, The idea that a console that has a kind of aesthetic or style associated with it. That's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's still sort of vestiges of it. Um, I think the place where it sort of lingers on a little bit is in ideas that um, you see coming up around sort of uh, console wars. Um, Mm. And that's literally just like Xbox green, PlayStation blue. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, as you say, Nintendo Nintendo actually still does have it. Um, And that sort of Nintendo kind of goes off and does its own own thing kind of separately. but yeah, I think that's that's really nice. I mean, definitely I would associate PlayStation with, yeah, sort of um, like deeper blacks or something, like just more um, more adult kind of leaning that way. Whereas the Xbox, yeah. But I am literally just thinking about the color schemes they go with. Like Xbox is like, right. yeah, that neon green color, which is such a like a key gamer color. <laughs> yeah, it is, <laughs> yeah. Like, for sure <laughs> very strong yeah. um but i was thinking about console wars as well because i think um you know that's a a noticeable place and i think that's something that stella who actually suggested this um this topic and shout out to you stella um she she talked about uh console wars in her email where she was suggesting it and like that's an interesting sphere of activity um you know yeah. i mean there's there's two two main ones yeah. i think which would be Sega versus Nintendo yes. in the 90s and PlayStation versus Xbox now. Um, Sega versus Nintendo was the, really the first one in the sense of like, yeah, Sega explicitly created marketing, like talking about the, like saying Nintendo shit, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they, 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 not in, which in a way they wouldn't do now um, very aggressively, like making fun of Nintendo mm. uh, in their adverts and like, yeah, the, the the create explicitly kind of the idea of creating like an adversarial, adversarial uh, relationship between the two. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's 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 worth pointing out, as you say, that yeah, it's it's not all the time. There's been two yeah, two main two main wars um, that have have broken out, um, and that's uh, you know that kind of fits with. I was looking at kind of anthropological ideas about war and how we might map them over to console wars, which is obviously like a deeply ridiculous thing to be doing with my time. But there we go. <laughs> and, um, and you know, in, in anthropology, there is this uh, anthropologists are very interested in stability within a culture. They always want to point to sort of uh, cultures being stable, tradition, things like that, because that means that your expertise is going to be good for 20, 30 years. They're not so good at looking at um, change and rupture. So war is always a bit of a thing. War is always a bit of a problem, I think, um, uh, something that needs to be explained. And and certainly they would draw attention to the fact that war is not eternal. It's not something, it's not, you know, the the endless state of humanity. We're not living in like, it's not like Warhammer 40k, where, you know, all, that, all there is is war. Um, you know, there, there are outbreaks. And so so why does that happen? You see a few different explanations that tend to come up. Um, you see ecological explanations. These aren't so much in, in fashion anymore, but very much in the kind of 50s and 60s. Uh, people would talk about competition for scarce resources as a reason for war. So right. competition for, um, uh, you know, valuable minerals, valuable um, uh territory that's going to produce lots of food um competition for women um these kinds of things coming up 
Um, you actually see this idea of competition for scarce resources coming up when people talk about console wars. Um, the idea that everyone buying video game consoles is someone's mum and they can only afford one. Uh, and, right. and so and so that's why, you know, people feel competitive about a console because you, you can only really get one. So it's like you then have to be all in on that system. Mm. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I that doesn't really wash as an explanation. So, I mean, I, I it certainly is a thing that's present. And certainly, you know, I think we've all had experiences of kids of not being able to access loads of consoles. So you'd, you'd get very attached to the one that you have. Um Oh, of course. Lots I, was, I have Mega Drive, so Mega Drive is the best. Yeah, much better than Nintendo. There we go. But um, but yes, I mean, lots of us are adults now, so <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure how much. No, now I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it is, um, it's a bizarre, yeah, area. Uh, it, it's, um, and sh- yeah, shows definitely some of the worst aspects of video game culture. Um, it's, it's, I guess this is this is about people getting their identity. Well, fundamentally, this is people getting their identity wrapped up in products. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, it's I guess it's it's partly about people justifying their choice and like the money they spent because you have to spend a lot of money on a console yeah. and you want to again if you can only get one, you don't want to feel like you made the wrong decision mm. and you wasted your money in some way or you should have done something else so you you kind of convince yourself that you have to defend the thing that you brought to to make to to like justify your, your decision that you made is is i guess part of it um i think it's a symptom of a broader culture where our value as people is linked to what we earn and like what we own uh so like if you so that inevitably means that your identity gets wrapped up in these things then it becomes more personal if somebody's saying about something about because it's part of who you are mm. Mm. um i don't know what maybe it's a maybe it's a uh a symptom of a broader problem that people have nowhere to go for their to construct their identity but products yeah i mean i think that sort of that fits with uh kind of uh sort of the approaches or explanations that would be kind of in anthropology you'd think of that as like a structural functional explanations which are about how um particular things within a culture help replicate the shape of the society um and i guess yeah console wars as you're saying kind of this idea that people are being inculcated into the um identity of a consumer like, and that becomes mm. like a really important thing. And obviously that that helps uh, grease the wheels of capitalism if people feel, you know, strongly um, that their purchasing decisions are some kind of powerful mode of self-expression. Um, mm. And, you know, and so, so yeah, so, so we can certainly see, I think, uh, that and that kind of... Um, the ways in which console wars help to yeah convince everyone that this is like super important like <laughs> really really Im- important stuff you know your your sphere of consumer consumer activity um and then the other one i had which is not really an explanation but just sort of an approach more phenomenological approaches um which would be sort of what most people would do nowadays which is where you just sort of look at it you don't seek to seek to explain war but you would maybe look at it as an expression of 
culture. You would look at how particular cultural logics and ideas are reinforced or presented um, as, as um, you know, how people actually, the internets of how people, if someone, if we're saying, oh, you know, people are getting involved or, or feeling very attached to a, a console because they feel it expresses something about them. Well, what are the things they feel it expresses? You know, how are those things valued within society? You know, just kind of putting a bit more flesh on those bones. Um, and I think there's actually quite a lot to go on with the Xbox PlayStation divide. Mm. <laughs> so ridiculous but the yeah the xbox playstation divide let's call it that because um it's interesting to see how both sides kind of slightly agree upon the terminology in play and the ideas and meanings and um in play in that sort of opposition um i went on to the comments thread of an article on the internet i will not say which one but it was about the new uh, consoles coming out and it very very quickly became a heated um gaming debate about <laughs> about Xbox versus PlayStation. It was amazing how quickly that happened actually and and people being really like annoyed with each other and aggressive and and you know I don't think being their best selves in those comments but um lots of passive aggressiveness I'm yes. imagining yeah yeah the, loads of it I mean it was, there, it was laying out the facts yeah just like yeah absolutely it was it was really interesting to to read you know um to to see how those kind of moves are made but particularly to see yeah actually both sides agreeing somewhat on what the other side was like and what they were like. So the idea that you would have if you're being insulting is that the Xbox is plebeian, right? right? So it's like, it's like populist and, and lowest common denominator um, and uh, that kind of thing. And that the um, PlayStation is kind of up its own ass and sort of arrogant, um, somewhat out of touch, sort of elitist, those kinds of ideas. Um, And actually, even when people were talking about the console that they identified with and they loved, they were sort of replicating those terms. People who were talking about favorably about their Xbox were saying, you know, it's, it's social. This is where all my friends are. Um, this is, you know, this is, this is where I game in a group. So, so that idea of, of, um, groupness of massness and of popularity actually you know they they themselves were identifying with those ideas as well they were just doing it so in a less insulting way and certainly you know and then the playstation fanboys were you know presenting themselves as aesthetes and you know people who like you know are going to have like sophisticated gaming moments right okay (laughs) On their chosen console. So again, that idea of elitism and, and um, you know, um, is 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 perhaps in play. But it, it was interesting to me the way that, uh, you know, these these huge corporations have managed to kind of sell us all to an extent uh, on on these narratives about themselves or, or what these kind of plastic boxes uh, <laughs> full of wires, what they kind of mean, what the symbolic value of them is, how you position yourself if you are, uh, sort of identify with with one or the other of them. Um, as I say, I'm very much down the sort of more pretentious mm. <laughs> um, uh, line, which is why, I, by the way, to bring it back, why I think the design of the PlayStation 5 just blows my mind out of okay. the water because I, I, I don't understand why. It, it just doesn't seem to fit 
with the story that they're telling about themselves um, at all. Uh, not sophisticated I, I, enough. It's not. It's not sophisticated at all. And it's like, yeah, it's it doesn't like fit their star signification or something. Um, like it, it's it's very odd to me. I know it'll be some kind of compromise to do with um, you know, that they have to fit a certain amount of. <laughs> Govins in the box. I'm not technically minded. I don't know how this stuff works, but uh, I don't know what was going on with that big white wrap around plastic. But absolutely hideous. Um, mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things that's tied up in of this, uh, or like partly a cause of it, I think, is yeah. is the the thing I've already mentioned about the idea of community. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that like if you you if you watch something like E3, everybody would talk about our community yes like the community we've been speaking to the community we want to give the community blah 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 um so it's that that's across that's like every game has a community but there's playstation xbox they they have an idea that they have a community um this is the most impoverished idea of community you can possibly <laughs> have i think um uh the playstation community the xbox community um I think communities do exist within video games, but communities can't be owned by like uh, you can't have like a company own a community. Like no. a community can naturally develop between people, which is about uh, you know in relationships between people in like a network. You can't have like a community that you own that doesn't. A company work. owned community um, is a workplace, surely. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's all you can have. Well, there you are part. Of, yeah, this is part of it. If you're part of the community, we've talked about you're doing their work for yeah, them. Like you're, yeah, yeah. you are spreading their marketing message. Yeah. You are out there making arguments to people about why you should buy their console. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that is exactly what it is. Um, and again, I think this is probably a result of like community as an idea is has been attacked like if you you think of like uh like thatcher and like the primacy of the of the individual Mm -hmm. and like the idea of like individual freedoms being the most important thing like what your your personal rights like the the idea that you have to behave within the capitalism like you're supposed to behave as like an individual who's responsible for everything like uh, about yourself and like you you shouldn't be uh what's the phrase like society doesn't exist there's no such thing as society there's no such thing as society so like community has been uh yeah uh as an idea and like literal communities have been broken apart Mm. and destroyed over decades and human beings want to have community um so i think like some of that gets some of that desire gets siphoned into these like artificial um insufficient uh simulacras of community um that and then that yeah so that that helps to to create these these communities and that helps because it's like a a um deranged idea of community (laughs) that it's like a toxic yeah uh version of community if you if you see what i mean so I think that's a part of the whole console wars thing for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and part of that weird inv- um, energy that you get at um, E3 as well, which, as I say, I just yeah, there is something about it. I just find like it's it's like yeah, it's like a kind of unpleasant vibe that I really kind of enjoy. It's like digging under a fingernail or something. I, I love it. Um, but yes, you're right. <laughs> it's very very strange. Um, 
I got I got something else unpleasant to touch on. I hope okay. you've got, hopefully you got something else more positive afterwards. I don't know, but uh, uh, I think it's worth um, touching on like the production of consoles. Uh, oh yeah, yeah no, absolutely yeah. I don't they, and I really don't know much about it. Well, they often use uh, conflict minerals. Um, right. There's been like there's been various organisations that have kind of tried to um yeah uh they, they criticized the companies and tried to draw attention to it to make them more responsible in how they do it and they it's, i think they have improved to some extent in terms mm-hmm. of knowing where the stuff they use come from but not not much um i think nintendo's the worst actually in terms oh, of that really? I seem to remember it, which people might be surprised yeah to learn. um but yeah so the uh yeah, they use conflict minerals. They often produced in China. They would have been often produced in poor conditions for the workers. Um, so, in ter- so they're not not particularly ethical in, t- in terms of the way they produced. I mean, that's the case with lots of technology. It's not unique to consoles, but uh, I think it's something worth being made, being aware of um, in terms of the conditions that like entertainment's being built in. Um, I think we should also something um, which is more and more becoming more and more obscene in the kind of uh, whole enforced obsolescence thing, mm-hmm. uh, and like consoles are like a a perfect example of that. This whole generational idea, yeah, like it's like more so than other forms of technology. It's like right, that's all shit now <laughs> don't forget mm. about that we're not released there's no more game because it's not like a, a pc where like it's like you can you can still like yeah um games are always being made for pc like you can and the yeah you there's still an enforced obsolescence thing on pc but it's less stark whereas consoles is like we there are no more games for this console anymore and we're not making anymore yeah. um forget it uh we're not making the console anymore like it's gonna so you now you have to have the new thing, and like with 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 um yeah in terms of resources and like climate change and stuff, um that whole enforced obsolescence thing is, yeah as I said obscene, um, uh, in an ideal world which isn't going to happen. Uh, no, I should say it's going to happen. Uh, Could happen. I don't know when it when it would happen. Yeah, um, but I um consoles as they are now like with the generation of things should not exist like i would actually i would like this for my pc as well if we just kind of stopped and went like in terms of like uh not to say there would never be any kind of technological development and you wouldn't need to like create new technology for stuff but my pc is like fine now like i don't need to like get a new graphics card i don't think i think my playstation 4 is fine yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it works. yeah. I would like to see, but if they if a console was made that was like this is a console, it's modular. Yeah. So you can rep- the parts are easy to replace, and I think you would see so the idea. Right, is like we've got a new console. This is the story that they tell. We've got a new console. It's way more powerful. So we get to be way more creative, mm. and like this is going to unlock new possibilities. Mm. It's increasingly as i said i think with stuff like 3d that was true yeah like because 
because people had to invent a completely new way of like doing things and like there were as you can find if you play a lot of other free games that shit there were a lot of people didn't quite know how to do it Mm. and like they were trying different things because this was a new thing like now for at least a couple generations all it is is like they make it look more realistic like they never do not to say yeah innovate there's innovative games but a lot of them it's not because like they they can run on like really basic PCs like some of the indie games and stuff that are really simple and not graphically intensive at all have really innovative innovative ideas I think there would be way way more innovation way more true innovation if there was not like a, a technological leap because it forces you to experiment if you can't get more power to like make more polygons and uh do more fancy lighting or whatever then you have to and you want to make something that looks new then you have to experiment with aesthetic stuff like yeah. with styles you have to um make things that yeah look weird you have to try uh um and you have to try and experiment if if you can't differentiate yourself by how good your game looks, then you have to differentiate it by what it does, like what you can do in the game, what the ideas are. I think we would have, um, yeah, if we just stop the consoles, this is it, no more consoles, this is your last one, we would see way more creativity and innovation. I'm I mean- convinced of that. I, I absolutely I think you're, you're you're probably right you know and and keep it you know having having an enforced kind of um structure is often a really good way to encourage creativity as you were saying it it made me think of games that like for instance Hotline Miami is a game that when it came out you know everyone was kind of blown away by the style of it it just had so much style that it felt mm. kind of forward looking, even though obviously it had like a very retro kind of, mm. um, that's what it's kind of roots were in. Um, but, you know, but it came out with so much kind of swagger and this incredible soundtrack um, uh, that, you know, even I, I, I never really played it, but I was sort of really aware of it because it seemed, yeah, it seemed to be making creative decisions that were kind of exciting and felt fresh to people. I think Undertale is a, is a similar story, despite the fact that it does not look um, incredibly, like it doesn't have like incredible graphics. People talk mm. about how it kind of moves things forwards in, in other ways. Um, and I think, yeah, that is that. Because cause that was the thing, wasn't it? It was like... The, when they start to lose at that period, when they started to lose the argument about the new stuff, which was around 2010. So I think the connect is a really good sort of pivotal moment for Mm. this happening. Um, The, it started to be about like, do you remember Milo? Yeah. Like, right. So Milo was like a tech um, demonstration by uh, Lionhead of Peter Molina's um, company. Um, and it was like, this is going to be like a little boy that lives in your <laughs> your console who you're going to have a relationship with. You're really going to feel something because you can emote at Milo and because of fantastic graphical innovations, he can emote at you. And like, you know, you can both be emoting at each other and having this kind of emotional experience. Um, and it just, 
unless people are going to get really creative, that's like the only way forward. And it doesn't seem like that good a future where it's just like, oh, just graphics improve. So you can see, you know, the tears on Milo's cheeks when he's sad mm. and you'll be more sad about it. You know, mm. there's 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 better ways to um, to push things forward, to, to be innovative, um, to make more of an impact on people than just, um, you know, graphical fidelity or, or whatever it is that, that people seem to be reaching for. Um, I, so, I yeah. Think, Sorry, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, I think it's more often the case that the most beautiful looking games, I think it's rarely the ones that are like at the edge of like, techno, like real, do you know what I mean? Like the games that I tend to be like, oh, wow, that looks really great. It's like... I don't know, some 2D, like, yeah. where they've used, I don't know, like a watercolour style or, yes. like, do you know what I mean? It's something like that. Um, yeah, and the, the idea that, like, remo- the more limits you remove, like, the more creative you can be. It's not always the case. Like, working with the limitations is, is a, actually often a really good way to provoke creativity. Yeah. And and maybe, you know, from what you were saying about um, the ethics of the production and um, um, indeed the, the obsolescence of, of these items, you know, maybe it keeps the object more honest. You know, this is supposed to be something fun that is, is brought in the world for, for play and for relaxation and to make us feel kind of... Um, uh, yeah, yeah, playful and creative and and light you know bring some lightness um for, for for a bit into our lives and and you know having this kind of huge heavy box that's like produced in a really gross way and mm. costs loads of money and you're gonna have to throw it out and it'll just be more crap in the world you know it, just like it maybe it would be it would be nicer it would be a nicer better future <laughs> Mm. if those objects um yeah sort of from the ground up encompass that feeling of lightness and um you know and play and wonder and and you know um pleasant things it's a real shame that the nintendo that's totally kind of undercuts my feelings about the switch really that they um that they produce it in 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 kind of um in a way that's sort of destructive because it it really feels like it undermines the whole the whole item to have Mm. that um what a shame so yeah so so yeah uh step it up guys uh please a uh, modular um slightly uh slower uh future we don't need all that fidelity no we just we don't, don't need it <laughs> no. no um did you have any more console thoughts uh no i don't think so no i think that was me as well okay um Let's do a couple of suggestions that we got then. Oh, lovely! Yes, from uh, again from from Range Touch and No Cartridge Discords. Uh, a, a few people were like mentioning actual consoles in games. Um, when I was okay, so which is something we didn't really talk about. So no. that's why I thought it'd be good to put them in the suggestions. So um, Jakob said uh, it's marketing, but admittedly, one of my initial thoughts was of the Pokemon games, where among other recurring elements in the starting town. Uh, e.g. different things playing on the living room tv there always being a guy who talks about how great technology is etc there's always one of the then current gen nintendo consoles in the player's bedroom um so yeah that's the thing uh consoles and games um multiple people men- including uh andy here mentioned the pico 8 okay uh andy said pico 8 seems interesting to talk about as sort of an 
anachronistic virtual retro console marketed specifically as a fantasy console. I don't know if you're familiar with the Pico 8. I'm not. This is a it's an online like virtual console. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh, and people make games for it, and then it's like they can be like they're like cartridges on the thing, and you select it. Um, so it's the idea. It's like it's got set. Similar to what we were talking about, it's got very limited. It's very limited. Like you can't do much of it. So the right. technological spec. So the idea is that everybody who's making stuff for it has to work within these limitations, and it's kind of yeah, like a virtual online thing. Oh, uh, you know the game. Cool. You know the game Celeste. I've heard of Celeste. Yeah. Celeste began as a Pico Eight game. Right. Right. Um, that was well received, and they ended up making it into a thing. Mm-hmm. I believe that I, th- I believe somebody also said there's a Pico 8 in Celeste somewhere. Right, that's nice. Um, yeah. So I don't know much about that console. I only sort of was looking into it because a few people mentioned it. But um, yeah. Uh, Jakob also said uh, one of my early online communities I was a part of was a gaming forum, sort of uh, framed as being about the console wars that I mostly joined by coincidence. Um, and happened to stick around at, which feels so bizarre looking back. I feel like even back then as a young teen, I wasn't actually like projecting myself onto corporations um, uh, or whatever it was that people did to end up invested in that. But at the same time, I kept visiting the forum. Um, that's probably a thing that happened a lot back then, people joining a community and having to stick around. The site is deleted now, and for that, I'm grateful. Um, <laughs> I, I can't remember if it was uh, Jakob or somebody else, but... Uh, one of the people, one of them suggested doing like forums or message boards right. as an object. Yeah. So that's why I put that in there because, uh, yeah, so I've put that on the list. Now. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Lovely. Lovely. Lovely console thoughts, guys. Um, yeah. So, um, sorry, I've completely lost the thread of what I was going to say there. Is that, we've, we've, we've finished the show now. We've, we've done we've, all the We've bits. finished the show now, yeah. <laughs> okay. <That's, yeah. laughs> I don't have anything else. No. Good. okay brilliant Let, let's talk oh, i know what we need to say yeah uh, if you it's because you you were waiting for what i normally say which is uh if you have any suggestions that you want to send to us then tweet us at get object pod or email us at uh, email us on get object pod at gmail.com um yeah whether you've got comments about this episode or previous episodes or you've got suggestions for stuff you think we should cover um or you want to make suggestions for our next episode which is will we will be talking about clues yeah there we go that's gonna be fun that's gonna be very exciting yeah any suggestions about clues we're gonna yeah it's gonna be like microscopes out and uh and really trawling for evidence Um, yeah i'm happy about this one because this is right in my detective genre well there we go that's gonna work well for you yeah i'm gonna have to have sit and have a big think um but i think that'll be that'll be fun um and also oh and uh oh you were also both gonna say something i was gonna say if you want to leave us a review that would be amazing um i think we we haven't had loads of reviews recently and i forgot to write down the names of the people i was gonna write down the names of the people who reviewed us uh most recently i know the most recent one I can't remember, so I'll, I'll mention you next week and thank you very much. Um, before that, we had Neek Neek from um, Italy and I wanted to say uh, grazie mille to Neek Neek for his, very, or his or her very, very uh, kind review. And if you are listening from 
anywhere in the world um do love us leave us a review because i know we've got lots of listeners um internationally and i will do my best to find out what thank you is in your language and say it um yeah so there we go so i would like some really obscure people leaving reviews in very obscure languages or from uh regions that are not the uk uh canada or Australia or the US so I can expand my repertoire but also we do we do need some more also Americans do well, review sure. us from there as well <laughs> yeah. be wonderful we need to we need to break into the states properly don't we? yeah well if you say where you're from I'll try and I'll, I'll try and do an accent you know fuck it oh, well, that's a, <laughs> oh this is brilliant uh yeah uh, please definitely lots of uh lots of reviews from America from different states yes I'm keen to hear Rosie's uh accent uh, from, cracking places <laughs> that'd be amazing yeah um yeah that would be good uh and yeah the if you want to hear some more for us if you want to see us now um in our conference surroundings if you want to hear our game club series uh where we take turns picking games for the other person to play watch our first 15 video series where we're looking through how games introduce us to their worlds through objects you can get access to all that by going to patreon.com slash getobject um, and signing up to support us there. So it'd be cool if you could check that out as well. Lovely. All right. Well, that's us for now then. So uh, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed our discussion of consoles and hope very much that you will return next time for clues. Um, but that is uh, Get Object number 14. Thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye-bye.